Welcome to the Living Faith Missionary Church Podcast. You're about to listen to a message from Pastor Chris Starn, Senior Pastor at Living Faith in Yoder, Indiana. It is our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. Um, I just wanted to share with you, uh, Christmas, of course, is right around the corner. And every year I try to at least do, for December, do a Christmas sermon. Uh, so this will give you a little idea of what the Christmas sermons, and then on Christmas Eve we will be having a service, and uh, that uh, service will kind of culminate the series. Um, so let's go ahead and watch the short video. So we're going to be covering the, obviously covering Christmas, but we're going to be doing it from a prophetic standpoint. What did the Old Testament predict, and how would they know? We will be doing on Christmas Eve, we'll be talking about Christmas in Revelation. So make sure that you are here for that. We'll probably have the service, I would say, probably about, um, about 7 o'clock that evening. So please join us for that. But other than that, we will be looking at the Old Testament each, each Sunday and what it says about Christmas. We are in the book of Galatians. This is our second to the last week in Galatians. Next week we will finish Galatians. And, um, yeah, you're right, because the 26th, okay, yeah, got you. I was just thinking about those dates. Um, we'll be finishing next week the book of Galatians, and, and when we get back from vacation in January, we will begin looking at the book of Isaiah. So we'll kind of, because there's a lot of prophecy in Isaiah, so we're going to continue into the book of Isaiah. But for now, let's finish up uh, chapter 5 of Galatians. Uh, remember, Paul is talking to the churches and trying to get them to understand that they cannot follow another gospel. Starting with verse 16, Paul says, But I say, and, and whenever you see the word but, you always got to go back to the, the verse before and see what is, he, what is he referencing? Why is he saying, why is he saying but this? And what he was saying, if you remember, in verse 15, what he says is, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. He had told them you need to serve each other in love. And he says, if you don't, if you begin to bite, if you begin to fight amongst yourselves, you will end up devouring yourself. And this is the, his answer to doing that. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, for now, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions and divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for your word for your blessings, for peace that comes from walking in the Spirit. Father, help us to surrender. Help these words to move us 
to find us walking closer to you in the days forward. We pray this in your name. Amen. You know, we talked last week, and you know, the church is a mess. Not just this church, but all churches. The church itself, the church as an institution. We are, we are a messy institution because we are messy people. But God has decided that it is definitely a mess that's worth making. According to Paul, we need to work through this mess. But how do we do that? And he says we do it by learning to lean into loving each other as we serve each other. Through love, serve one another. But the thing about that is, is it's a lot easier said than it is done. It is very difficult at times to love some people. Because what if the people who are in the mess are at that time unlovable? And we all have those moments when we are very unlovable. I mean, even on our best days, it's difficult to serve others. We have a tendency as humans to focus on ourselves and focus on our troubles and our issues instead of focusing on others and how we can serve them in love. And when our relationships are a mess, it gets even more difficult. See, the truth of the matter is that you and I do not have the ability to love and to serve others in love in us. We do not have within ourselves the ability to do this. We can't. We cannot muster the necessary moral resources or the resolve to be able to love others. It just can't be done. And that's part of this because we too are a mess and we're trying to deal with our mess. We can't just double our efforts and try harder or pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and, and just try to serve everybody. It, it doesn't work that way. Because the love that we need in order to serve others comes from one place and it's outside of us. The Apostle John, he wrote in 1 John 4, he says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And we read that and we're like, okay, that makes sense. But what we have to understand about this verse is, is that what it's basically saying is, if you don't know God, you can't love. Because if you know God, if you truly know him, and you're walking in the Spirit, you're going to love others. Because that's who God is. Love comes from God through the Holy Spirit. And unless God is pouring His love into us through the Holy Spirit, we're not going to love others. Oh, we may, we may act like we do. Many times we act like we love, and it's in a selfish way because we're trying to get something out of it. In our humanness, we want to love others, but unfortunately, it's usually because we want them to love us back or we need something from them. But do we really love sacrificially? And that is what God's love is. And that is the love that Paul is saying we need to do for each other. So when we serve, serving each other in love comes about, when it should come about, it's because of the Spirit. It's a spiritual issue. We have to rely on the Holy Spirit working inside us 
so that we can be what God calls us to be to and be to each other in this world. See, Paul's purpose in writing the book of Galatians, the letter of Galatians is what it is, especially this passage, is to help us focus on the sufficiency of the Spirit because there is insufficiency within us. We're not sufficient. His goal is to convince the Galatians and ultimately to convince us to rely fully on the Holy Spirit for the nitty-gritty everyday things in our lives. Look what he says in verse 16. He starts this out, he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. See, there's this sufficiency that's supplied by the Holy Spirit to overcome the fallen flesh. We, we all deal with it. We all deal with our fleshly natures, and we struggle with it. And we think, okay, I'm just, going to, I'm just going to do better this time. I'm not going to do that thing I'm not supposed to do. I'm just going to try. I'm just going to ignore it and walk away from it. And yet that flesh just rears itself up, and it wants us to do it anyways. And so what do we do? We give in to it. And Paul says, that's because you're trying it on your own. You need the Holy Spirit to help you. On our own, we can't do it. But see, with the Holy Spirit, we can have victory over the flesh in our daily warfare. And it is a daily, moment-by-moment battle. You cannot let your guard down. See, the Greek, in these words, the Greek is even more emphatic than the English. And what it's saying is, in Greek, it's basically saying that we can have boundless faith that in our fight against the flesh, we can walk in the Spirit and we will be overcomers. There's no doubt. The Greek, the Greek words mean there's no doubt that we can do this. But we have to. We have to do it. Now, our enemy is strong. The flesh is strong. If you don't think, you're, if you don't think your flesh nature is strong, just let it run its course. It will destroy you. It is strong. We've all experienced those times when the flesh will lead us into passions that we never would have thought we'd be involved in. Many a times, I mean, most people, and I'm going to take an extreme here. Let's say most people who are, who are drug addicts, let's say, who are addicted to drugs and are really at their lowest, never said, you know, when I was young, I, this is what I wanted for my life. It doesn't happen. But the flesh leads us astray. It pulls us to places we shouldn't go. We must fully believe that the Spirit is stronger and that the Spirit will ensure our victory. We have to trust the Holy Spirit. Because there's not going to be a stalemate in this battle. One side will win over the other. There is no, there is no evens. It's either God wins or our flesh wins. Paul says this because the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And likewise, the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. It's a constant fight. And one side will win. And the spirit side, the good, will win if we allow the Holy Spirit into our lives and allow him to lead us and guide us and, yes, even control us at times. So resisting the flesh is not about willpower. I have a lot of willpower. I can, I can, I can, I can push through all kinds of things just, just by fear, pure force of will. But the one place I can is with the flesh. 
I cannot defeat it. But I only can defeat it by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It's not even about us defeating the flesh with the help of the Holy Spirit, to be honest with you. It's not that, you know, the Holy Spirit gives me a little extra resolve to do it. It's that we surrender to the Holy Spirit and He takes care of it. But we have to surrender to Him. So the the Spirit is able to overcome the flesh. It's also able to overcome and avoid the curse. The curse from Genesis, the curse of death. That's what he says in verse 18. He says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We're not under the law anymore. The curse of the law, which is death and separation from God because we are sinners, is gone. The Spirit is sufficient to overcome that. And it helps us to pursue, and it helps us in our pursuit of the entrance into the kingdom of God, because that is the ultimate goal. Our ultimate goal is not, to, is not to do all this here on the earth and then have nothing. Our ultimate goal is to be with God forever. That is what we want, is a return to Eden. And that's what's going to happen if we surrender to the Holy Spirit. So what happens is the Spirit frees us from the judgment of God, so we no longer have the judgment over us, and now the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit takes care of the flesh, so now we can live the lives we're to live in love, serving each other. Because we're no longer under the law. And Paul uses this idea of walking. And when he means that, it doesn't mean that you know, the Spirit is 50 steps ahead of us or we're way ahead of the Spirit. In fact, what he's talking about is you're walking with them. The Holy Spirit is with you. See, when, when we're walking in the flesh, our flesh is with us. It's controlling us. It's moving us in directions that we shouldn't go. Hey, hey, look at that over there. Oh, look at this over here. But when we walk in the Spirit, the Spirit says, look at Christ. Look at the cross. And so when we walk in the Spirit, we will not do the works of the flesh. And Paul lists out what these are. I'm going to run through them again. Sexual immorality. That leaves it pretty wide open, folks. There's a lot included just in those two words. Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. See, when we find these kind of works in our lives, we need to examine ourselves and we need to get back in step with the Spirit. We've wandered away from the Holy Spirit. Or, if you're a new believer, you never knew the Holy Spirit. So you're doing these things because the flesh has full power over you. So you're, you're introduced to Jesus, and you know, he pours the Holy Spirit into you, and you stop doing these things, not by willpower, but the Holy Spirit takes care of them. He eliminates them from your life. And it may not happen all in one day, trust me. It can happen in a moment for some, but for others, it's... A lifelong process. If we're not in step with the Spirit, these works will take over our lives and we will not inherit the kingdom of God. We will not be with God in the new Eden. We will be under a curse. Paul told the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians, he says, examine yourselves. Look at yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. 
See, I can't, I can't look at you and say you're in the faith. I can look at you and look at your works, look at your fruit, what you're doing, and I can say, you know, it seems to me that you know Jesus, but only you can tell me whether you really do. So he says, examine yourself. See whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? Now, Paul is not saying that every day we need to get up and beat ourselves up and say, you know, maybe I don't know Jesus and maybe I just need to give all this up. And No, what we need to do, we need to look at ourselves. We need to examine ourselves. We need to look at what we're doing, what we're thinking. Is it in line with what Christ wants? Is it in line with the gospel? And if it's not, then we need to pray that the Holy Spirit will help us and, and he will take care of it. And when we stumble and fall, he's there to pick us up. Because we will stumble and fall. But how do we know we're in the faith? Well, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Well, yes. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that means he's Lord of your life, and you're striving for him to be, to be a slave to him, to be completely consumed by him, if you believe in your heart and proclaim with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord, you are saved. But you have to believe in your heart. See, the flesh wants to bind us to the law. And many times, what it does is it dresses it as piety. Well, you know, I'm keeping... Well, I've never murdered. Yeah, most, I would hope most of us in this room, all of us in this room have never murdered. I've never bear false witness. Well, there was that little white lie I told. Nobody got hurt, so it's okay. No, it's not. But see, that's what the law does. The law will nitpick everything you do. And we think if we keep the law, that we'll be pious. That was the problem with the Pharisees. They believed that they were pious, that they were above everybody else because they kept the law, but they really didn't keep the law. They kept the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. And Jesus comes along and says, hmm, wrong. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. You guys are done. You're done. The Spirit leads us, what it does, instead of the law, the, um, the flesh which leads us to the law, the Spirit leads us to a relationship with God. We are His children. We sang about that this morning. First song we talked about, praise Him as children of God. We have a relationship with Him. In Ecclesiastes, the author writes, he says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. See, this is, this, is, this, this is the thing. When we are in the flesh, we are concerned about the here and the now. We are concerned about what satisfaction can I get right now? What can I get for me at this moment in my life? This is what I want for me. That's what the flesh does to us. And what this says is that God has put eternity in our hearts so we know there's something more than us. So when we walk in the Spirit, we are concerned about the now, but we're even more concerned about the future. It's not so much that we're so concerned about the future that we forget the present. It's that there's this balancing that they both go together. I'm walking in the Spirit. I'm doing what God wants me to do because I know that there's a prize waiting for me. Paul says, run the race as if you're going to win. Keep your eye on the prize. 
So God has put this in us, this idea of eternity. And we have this longing, we have this homesickness to be with God. And I'm telling you, I've been homesick a lot in the last couple years. Lord, just put an end to this. I'm done. I'm done with the vaccines. I'm done with the mask. I'm done with everything. I'm done with the rudeness of people and the division and the biting. What Paul says here in Galatians about consuming each other, that's what's been happening in our world. And I'm done with it. I have this homesickness to be with Christ forever. But I also know that God makes all things beautiful in his time. Meaning he's got a plan, I just have to work it. I just have to be in it. Paul told the church in Colossae, he told him, he says in verse chapter 3, he says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Paul's not saying that we don't take care of our families. But he doesn't, he's not saying that we don't feed ourselves and, and, and don't take care of our bodies. What he is saying is that that can't be all-consuming. We need to keep our eyes focused on God and on our eternity with him. So how do we walk? How do we do this? How do we walk in the, in the Spirit? Rather simply, it's basically by recalling who we are in Christ. We are children of God. We have to remember the gospel. Remember that, that we are no longer orphans. We were orphaned. We were, we were lost. And now God has adopted us as his children. He chose us. When we got the phone call for Caleb to adopt him, we could have said no. I don't think we would have, but we could have. And we chose him. We belong to God's family now. And what happened is Satan will he'll throw accusations at us, and the flesh will tempt us to, to try to get us to forget about eternity. Why would you worry about that? How do you even know that's true? Don't you want something now? That's what Satan was doing to Jesus when he tempted him. Satan was trying to bypass everything that was going to happen to Christ and everything that God was going to give him because Satan had dominion. It was given to him. He was able to give all those things. You know, When he showed Jesus all of the kingdoms, he says, all these kingdoms will be yours if you bow down to me. And Jesus could have had everything he was going to have, everything he was going to have in the end instantly because Satan would have given it to him. See, Satan wants us to, to look at the now, to, to try to bypass, to take the shortcut to everything. God says, no. My way is much better. Because what happens is, is when we don't focus on the forever, when we don't focus on the future, and we only think about the now, we try to justify ourselves in the flesh. But we have to remember that we've been justified in Christ. Paul, in Romans, he writes, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. The righteousness of God for all 
who believe and who have faith in Jesus Christ. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift, not because of anything special that we are, through the redemption that is in Christ. In order for us to walk in the Spirit, we must always look to the cross because it is the cross that gave us our righteousness. It is the cross. Yes, when God creates us, He puts His image in us, which is, which is this idea that we have a purpose. We have a purpose. We're valued by God because we, we represent Him here on this earth. That's what the image is. It's not a, you know, we don't all look like God because God is spirit. He doesn't have a body. God the Father. We're all different. But the point is, is that we have a responsibility. And we have his righteousness through Christ when, when, um, because of the cross. So we have to look at it. We have to embrace Jesus. And this is where the Holy Spirit is leading us. What is the Holy Spirit is leading us to? He's always showing us Jesus. What do we do? What does the flesh do? The flesh always shows us us. It says that's what's important. Every, I think I said this either last, I think it was last week I said this. Every conflict we have in a relationship, there's a time when we start biting each other. And we start biting at each other and talking bad about each other. Why? Because we put our focus on me rather on, than on Christ. But we have to put aside the flesh. In Hebrews, the writer says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he goes through this whole list of all the people throughout history who, were, who weren't perfect. They didn't lead perfect lives, but they believed in God, and they trusted him, and they walked in the Spirit. And since we're surrounded by them, let us all also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. Sins and those weights upon us, those are the now things. Those are the things of the flesh. Let's lay them aside. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Let's look to Christ, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So what Paul is doing here in, in Galatians, and I believe Paul also wrote Hebrews, because it, it, it screams out that Paul wrote it. He's warning the Galatians and us that we must walk by the Spirit or we will follow the flesh. It, it's, it's like, I think about the idea of a bully. So you got this young little boy, and there's a bully in the neighborhood. And the kid, whenever the, kid is, the little boy is walking down the street, the kid stops him. And what does he do? He beats him up, or he takes his money, or whatever the bully wants to do. Well, along comes this, this old, little, a couple years older guy, and he's a little bit bigger than the little kid. He's about the same size as the bully. So what happens? So the, the, the little kid goes to the, the bigger guy, the, his friend, and says, walk with me. And what happens when the bully comes out and tries to pick on the little kid? He thinks twice about it. And if he does do it, what does he do? What does the other guy, his, his protector, do? He takes care of the bully. Guess what? That's what the Spirit has done. If we walk in the Spirit, He's walking with us. The bully is Satan in the flesh. He's defeated. They've been defeated. They were defeated at the cross. Jesus said, it is finished. Why are we fighting? It's finished. It's done. He did it. 
All we have to do is walk with the Spirit who's going to make sure that the bully doesn't get us. But we have to be willing to walk with the Spirit, and the Spirit's going to direct us to Jesus. If we walk in the flesh, we are going to find ourselves under the curse of the law and separated from God eternally. Another thing that the Spirit is able to do, He's able to actually fulfill the law. We see that in verse 22 and 23, and it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Because it says, against these things there is no law. As we we saw last week, we, we can fulfill the whole law by serving one another in love. When we serve one another in love, we are fulfilling the whole law. Why? Because these things are being shown. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All those things are being shown when we love each other and we serve each other. But see, the problem is that, that, we, that these things can't happen on our own. We, might, we like to think, oh, I'm a, I'm a patient person. I doubt it. If we followed you 24-7, I doubt very much you're patient 24-7. I'm kind, I'm good. No, there's no one who's good, nobody but God. And I can tell you we're probably not all self-controlled. It's okay, we're all in the same boat. But at the core of all of these is that first one. Love. Love. That love doesn't come from within us. It's what the Holy Spirit creates in our lives. And in the process, He creates it within our community. He lists the works of the flesh. And then He lists the works of the Spirit. And love is chief amongst all the fruit of the Spirit. It's not listed first by mistake. It just, I mean, it's definitely not alphabetical, you know? So why is love first? Because love is at the core. Love is the foundation. Love is the chief amongst all the fruit of the Spirit. Love is the summation of all the other spirits. It's the foundation, the fulfillment of the fruits of all the Spirit. Love contains the whole of what God desires and requires of us. Jesus said himself when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the core. Paul is able to say that there is no law against the fruit of the Spirit because love is the very thing that the law calls for. Do you realize that? That the law, the purpose of the law was to get the people to love God and love each other and to show that they can't do it on their own because they can't. We cannot follow the law. It's not possible on our own to follow it. So love is the fulfillment of it. Because if we love, we're going to follow the law by default if we truly love. See, the leading of the Holy Spirit will reduce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives with love as its foundation. In the process, this will fulfill all the requirements of the law, which is love. It must mark our lives. People must know that we are Christians because we love people and we love each other. And it should just pour out of us. 
I think today it's getting harder and harder to see that in Christians. I know I'm not lovable all the time. I wish I was. But it needs to mark our lives. We need to be known by our love for one another and even love for the world, for those in the world who are lost and dying. In fact, our our love for one another is an indication of whether or not we're walking in the Spirit. You want to know if you're walking in the Spirit? Check your love. How much do you love those around you? Truly show them that you love them. And not just your family, not the ones you're supposed to love, but I mean everyone. How much do you love your neighbor? How much do you love that person who hits your cart at the grocery store? How much do you love that person who's taking too long at the bank drive-thru? I didn't blow my horn at him. I love him pretty good, you know. No. What were you thinking in here? What was in your heart? Love must also mark the church community. The church must be filled with the fruit of the Spirit. It has to. We should be an oasis in this barren land. You know, the last two years has shown that this world is not loving. If it was, we wouldn't be so worried about separating everybody. It it amazes me. I've actually heard doctors talking on, because I watch a lot of videos about everything going on right now. And they talk about the clean and the unclean. Now, where, what is that, why does that sound familiar? You realize that that's what they did in the Old Testament and in the New Testament with those who had leprosy? If you had leprosy, you had to walk down the street yelling, unclean, unclean, so people could get out of your way. And that's what they're calling people. On both sides, by the way. You have people who have been vaccinated who are calling people unvaccinated, unclean. And you got people who are not vaccinated saying that the people who are vaccinated have unclean blood. It doesn't matter. This world is not full of love and this world needs it. It must mark us as a church. A place of nourishment, a place of rest, of healing in the middle of this present evil age. Paul goes on, tells us to walk by the Spirit in verse 24. Because we've crucified the flesh and its passions. We live by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. I mean, don't let the Spirit get ahead of you or behind you. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. See, for love to be the mark of our lives and the mark of our community, we have to draw upon the source of life, which is the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ. We must learn to abide in Christ. You know, John, the Apostle John, again, tells us, gives this great metaphor. Of, in John 15, it's Jesus actually giving the metaphor, but John's sharing it, saying, I am the vine, the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. It's it's God who's the creator. Jesus is the vine. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. We're the branches. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes. You know, I'm getting ready to to prune my my fruit trees when they're finally, all the leaves are gone and they're going dormant. And my, my grapevine, my grapevine grows like crazy and I prune it and it hurts every time I cut it. Not the vine, it hurts me. Because I'm like, look how beautiful it is. Look how big it is. And I start cutting it back. But see, that's what God is going to do. He's either going to prune our lives and get this evil out of it, or he's going to prune us. And do you think it breaks his heart every single time he has to prune someone who will not believe in him, not trust him? 
Every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. We need to prune, we need to allow him to prune those things out of our lives so we can bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. We will not have the fruit of the Spirit, the true fruit of the Spirit, unless we abide in Christ, unless we walk in the Spirit. I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him. He it is he who bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. It's the Spirit and not our own selves who will win this war of the flesh. We've been fighting it wrong. We've been trying to fight it with willpower. It doesn't work. We must allow the Holy Spirit to do it. I mean, in reality, this should be good news to us. The gospel has done what needs to be done to put us in good standing with Christ if we just walk in the Spirit and trust God and lean on Him, which means praying to Him and walking with Him and thinking about Him, remembering the gospel, remembering who we are. We're children of God. We have to embrace Jesus Christ. We were crucified with Him and our flesh with its passions and desires is also crucified. I said last week, it's crucified, but the flesh is still there, so we have to continue to kill it, as Paul says. Kill the flesh. Put it to death. But see, we're not just crucified, but we're also raised with Christ to newness of life by the Spirit. So we have to live by the Spirit. Are we living by the Spirit? We no longer walk according to this world. I think, and I would be honest with you, in my own life, it's so easy to do what the world does. It doesn't mean we can't enjoy the good things of this world. It just means we're not doing what they do. It's even worse if people in the church who claim to be Christians do what the world does. We talked about it this a few weeks ago. I said, you know, Paul's, uh, Scripture says we're not supposed to, Paul says we're not supposed to even have anything to do with somebody who's sexually immoral. He told the church at Corinth, throw him out. He said, no, I'm not talking about the world because if we were to be, not be involved with anybody who's sexually immoral in the world, we would have to be out of the world because the world is full of sexual immorality, even in Paul's time. But he says those in the church cannot do these things, must not do these things. We must Love. We must have the fruit of the Spirit as a community. But we also must not be, be, we must be extremely careful not to become conceited. Well, we're saved and you're not. Then we're back to the whole, you're clean and I'm unclean, or I'm clean and you're unclean. And self-assured so much that we begin to let our love for God and others slip. Look what Paul writes to the church at Philippi. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I want my kids to obey me even when I'm not there. God wants us to obey him even when we think he's not there, but he's always there. He sees everything. But Paul is saying, even if I'm not in your presence, I want you to walk like you're supposed to. And to work out your faith, your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. 
why is the first one always the hard one? It's always hard when we don't want to do something and somebody asks us to do it, to do it without grumbling, why do I have to do that? And disputing it. Why should we do that? Why should we not grumble and dispute? Because then we may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. It's keeping our eyes on the prize, on the future, on Christ. When we walk in the Spirit, we're walking in faith. God will pour the Holy Spirit into our lives as a response to that faith. The Spirit is the power. Faith is the way we open ourselves up to His power. When we hear the Word of God and we respond to it with trust, God will pour out His Spirit into our lives. That's how it works. So we have to daily feed on the Word of God by faith. Because the Word of God is food for our soul. And that faith will feed us until it is full and then the soul is happy in God. And when we're satisfied in Christ and His promises, we will be far less likely to be distracted by the pull of the flesh with all its passions and all its desires. Are we walking in the Spirit? We need to. We need to trust the Holy Spirit to do the work in our lives instead of trying to do it ourselves. And yes, we're all going to fail. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to grumble at each other. We're going to bite each other. And what we need to do is forgive each other and restore each other and love each other. Peter denies Christ three times and Jesus restores him three times. Thomas doubts whether Jesus is resurrected. And Jesus appears to him and says, go ahead. Do it. Put your fingers in. He doesn't. He falls down on his face and says, My Lord and my God. God forgave him. We need to do the same. We need to walk in the Spirit. Let's stand as we pray. Father, we praise you. We thank you, Lord, for your grace your peace, and the fact that we can know that there is something beyond this life. You've put eternity in our hearts. But in the process, we are going to walk through this life. And we can't do it on our own, Lord. We need the Holy Spirit to get us through, to walk us through. So, Father, I pray that you help us to surrender to allow the Holy Spirit to move in our lives in a way that changes us, gives us strength for each day so that we can have the fruit of the Spirit and avoid the works of the flesh. We can't do it on our own. If anything, Galatians, the letter of Galatians has shown us that. Paul is adamant that we must walk and love each other and serve each other in love.
So Father, help us to do that this week and moving forward, especially around this time of Thanksgiving. We have so much to be thankful for. Help us to not take anything for granted, including the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining Living Faith on our YouTube channel. My prayer is that this message today has encouraged you and strengthened your faith in Jesus Christ. We would love to connect with you, so please subscribe to our channel and hit the bell so that you get updated when we add a new message. Also, please leave any comments you might have in the comments section. We would love you to join us live for our service on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. We hope you have a great day today. God bless.